0: Uh, We showed what happened in Luxembourg on Friday with a DVD. And I was talking about um, it was a Roman Catholic church I went to with um, Father Frank. And and frankly, um, it it was much more inspiring to be there than to be here. Um, You know, uh, in the sense that People had respect to the things of God. I find some people have no respect. Um, You know, our God, we've come to worship, uh, when you get a flippancy uh, and you can go through a ritual, you just might as well be going through religion. Uh, And that's deadly. I hate religion with everything in me. Uh, And so does God. Uh, And a lot of people get trapped. And I was talking uh, on uh, Friday about one of the things, you know, I've been on to people about fasting, you know, the stupidity that somehow you have to starve yourself to death to get God to do what uh, you think he should do. Fasting is not a Christian principle. It's heathen. And I keep telling people that, and they keep wanting to argue because... Uh, they were brought up to believe in a certain way. Uh, And, you know, from the day of your birth, your culture doesn't determine Christianity. So when we talk of a multicultural society, what we're talking of is an anti-Christian society. Because worshipping culture is deadly. Uh, If someone says, well, I'm this way because it's my culture well, they need deliverance because we should be this way because Christ lives in us. We're Christians. We give up our culture. Is that plain? Uh, I I was explaining, I walked into the master class, you know, uh, and got talking uh, with the pastors and you you realize their whole thinking is cultural, not Christian. Uh, And it's terrible that Uh, A lot of people, for truth, take what their parents said and their um, school taught them, and that becomes truth to them. And unfortunately, if it's not biblical, it becomes very destructive because truth outside of Christ is not truth at all. Uh, And so I, I just wanted to spend a little while kind of getting your brains engaged it's Sunday morning and what better time to wake up your brain you don't use it all week so uh, you have you know the chance to think um, because it's amazing how people would love to you know church should be a place of entertainment no it should be a place of, where we talk of the things of God uh, and we make sure we we concentrate on the things of God. And to me, um, there I was in in a class, and and the pastors, you know, they can't stand the idea that truth, let let me take a simple truth that I took on Friday, tithing. Now, if you're going to take the Torah and you're going to apply it to a Christian in one part, The Bible says if you apply it in one part, you've got to apply the whole. Now, if you apply the whole, that means you've got to do everything a Jew does. Now, I don't have any objection to someone teaching tithing as a biblical uh, truth for Jews. However... Our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, my question to them was, if the propagators of tithing who preach it every week, if it were necessary to believe in it and to do it, as legalistically as some do, I know some people would work it out to the penny. They don't want to give God too much. So they work their tenth out to, you know, uh, and they come up and they ask me questions like this Um, Is it gross or net? You know, uh, because they don't want to pay God too much, you know, but they feel obligated because of all the curses that they've been told are going to mount up on them, that they better get it to the penny, you know? I mean, how ridiculous can you get? But there's some people who would not uh, uh, pay a penny more than that which they think they can get away with. But it's not a biblical thing anyway for Christians. And when you tell them that, they say, yippee! You mean, I don't have to give any... No, I didn't say that. But that's how thinking goes. You see, law is a terrible... I don't want to be under law, I'm under grace. And grace is a good thing. Now, the Bible says that if you break the law in one part, you've broken it all. So I asked these pastors that wanted to propagate tithing, and I said, all right, if you really believe in it, here's the deal. And this did not please them. The rule of the Levites who lived off the tithe, was they were not allowed any inheritance. They were not allowed to own anything. They were not allowed to give an inheritance to their children at all. God was their inheritance. That was it. And so, let's tell the televangelists, your $4 million home has to go to God's work. And you can't own your Rolls Royces that you bought or your jet planes because you're not entitled to any inheritance. So I said, providing you teach that with tithing and you keep the whole law, I have no problem. I didn't have many volunteers. They suddenly thought... (laughs) You mean, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can't have the law in one aspect and not apply it in every aspect, can you? You're all going quiet. Well, is that right or wrong? Hello? I mean, are they Levites? No. But they want to impose... As Paul said, they want to impose the law on people. And how, how, oh, you know. Did you pay? You robbed God. You don't. I mean, there's all sorts of legalistic things people come under and they don't even realize they're under it. It's like uh, fasting isn't a Christian principle. They said, oh, well, Jesus fasted. No, he didn't. He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, and there were no food there. Because after 40 days, the serpent came, and he said, look, if you're who you say you are, turn those stones into bread. Now, if there was food to eat, it wouldn't have been a temptation at all. There were no food. So it wasn't that he went out there not to eat. It was he went to the wilderness where there was nothing. And you'll remember when the multitudes came and they stayed with him a couple of days and the disciples said, send them away. He fed them because he wasn't on the side of fasting and going without food. He was on the side of eat, drink and enjoy. And they said, oh, wine-bibber and glutton. And he complained. He said, look, when John the Baptist came fasting and doing all the things the Pharisees do, you said, you know, there's an odd man. When I come eating and drinking, you say a wine-bibber and glutton. Let's treat Christ the way he really was. Now, let me explain something to you. You see... It's great to know we're not under law, we're under grace. That means we're born again and we have a new nature, new life. And there's no struggle with sin. Now unto him who's able to keep you from and present you before, Uh, you know, if God's able to keep me he's taken on a mammoth task but he's able to keep me from hey and he causes me to will and to do of his good pleasure Ezekiel 36 verse 27 causes me to walk in his statutes God is the cause God is the provider Is that plain when they're talking of the new covenant? And it's your nature that determines who you are. What you do comes from what you are. You understand that. And when you're born again and born of his spirit, uh, life is a great freedom. Let's take verse 10 of, of Colossians 3. And you put on... The new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Is that plain? Christ is all and in all. Now, you don't have culture getting in the way of Christ. There is no difference. Let me tell you something, friends. Um, As a good friend of mine, Archbishop Benson Ederholzer, said, it's never the color of a skin that hampers a man. It's the lack of his skill. (laughs) If you've got the skill and the ability, you can do anything in life. It's nothing to do with culture. It's to do with attitude. And if you're a Christian, you have the spirit of Christ. And if you have the spirit of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor Threat. No, You know, culture isn't an issue. The only reason people make culture an issue is to defend their sin. That's why, thank God, we don't have a multicultural society. I live in a Christian one. Now, out there, they might call it multicultural, but as far as I'm concerned, there's only one God. One father of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way. There's only one life. His. And so I'm a Christian. And I adhere strictly to the view that my God is the only true God. The father of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other God. That's it. He's creator of the whole universe. That's it. Is the source of all life. That's it. He came, he bled, he died. Third day he rose again from the dead. That's it. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for me. That's it. He shed his precious blood to deal with sin and the nature of sin within a man. That's it. He broke the power of sin. He conquered all that was against him. That's it. At Calvary he shouted, it is finished. That's it. Reconciliation and atonement are a done deal. That's it. In fact, Christianity is totally dogmatic. That's it. That's why in heaven... Without her, the dogs and the whoremongers. Because we've done away with the dogs. See? That's it. Nothing that's impure shall enter in. That's it. And and so, for me, it's not to do with intellectual reasoning. Natural thinking is to do with the mind of Christ. It's to do with what God says. It's not to do with what I reason or my culture reasons or society reason. Today, you know, they're trying to twist society and make it something it shouldn't be. I don't believe in that. Listen to me. Society today is going through a tremendous uh, onslaught from politicians who want to pervert society. Society i do not believe at all that it's right that we should have 24-hour drinking so that young people are stoned out of their minds i don't believe it's right to say that drug addiction's okay you know just smoke the weed and you know get psychotic problems in your mind because you're you you know you're um and they say oh well it'll help with arthritis Help with MS. Help with it. No, drugs are drugs. And if you're going to go and take drugs that um, make you hallucinate, you're going to lose your mind. It's wrong. But society says it's all right. But as far as I'm concerned, drugs are a no-no. You all agree, don't you? I mean, anything that's mind-bending and is going to affect is is a no-no. Now, amazingly, I grew up in a home that was totally and utterly (coughs) anti-Christian. I I mean, you know, it just was. My father was born into Catholicism, but he hated it so much he was anti-Christian. Not anti in a vigorous way, but he just wouldn't have anything to do with it. uh, Because of the whole hypocrisy of it. My mother was of similar ilk. But I want to tell you one thing. I grew up in an atmosphere like that, but drugs, to me, were an offence. And to a lot of people in the world, you know, just people who wouldn't go to church or darken the doors, a lot of them have have a kind of ethic that's embedded in them. Uh, Now, mine was embedded in me just after the war. Do you know, one, one thing I, I love about thinking back, you know, and I can, you know, I'm old enough to say, hey, you know, I grew up, I was born in 1943. The Germans tried to kill me, but I survived. Um, they machine gunned the pram that I'd only minutes before come out of. Cannon shell went right through it. My mother had gone and picked me up, take me inside before a meshe smith came. Uh, and they, they used to fly down Biggin Hill, down the houses, and machine gun the prams of the children in the garden. They used to drop landmines. Uh, and fortunately, one came down in our garden. And the parachute that it came on caught in the tree and it swung two inches above the ground. And had it gone and not been caught in that tree that God planted there in consideration of my survival in all eternity. Oh, he did. And he caused the branch to go out the right way so that that parachute was caught. And I was in my pram in the garden. At that time, I wasn't conscious of the bomb. But my mother was, and came and raced inside the house. Uh, And they had to evacuate the whole street. Uh, And the bomb squad then, or whatever they called them, came and disabled it. Two inches lower, our house wouldn't have been there, nor would any of the family. I grew up with ration books. We knowing you couldn't go to a shop and just buy sweets. There weren't any. Everything was rationed. You had four ounces of meat a week. And people were healthier. But do you know something? You could leave your back door open. You'd never lock your front door. And no one would come in and steal. You could walk down the road. You could go to any place, and the neighbors cared for one another's children, and they weren't going to get molested walking down the street on their own. And what, what Christian, it was just the way it was respect. And I look back and I think, how advanced has society become? But now, you dare not let your young children walk down the road because there's perverts out there grabbing kids off the street. And they're not locked up to protect society. Uh, I mean, in my young days, prison was prison. If someone killed someone, they got hung. Do you know, murder rate was very low. And if anyone murdered someone, they did it once. After that, they got a stretched neck and an unmarked grave. But it was very effective at restraining. A- and people respected life. My brother and I could go down to the beach when I was in five, six, and seven. We'd go down the beach and spend the day playing. And, and, and you know, we were safe. And any parent, any adult would protect the children. It was a society where there was absolute trust. There was a right and wrong. No, not Christian. Just a right and wrong in society as a whole. You know, when I look back, I think (laughs) it was great to be alive and, and, you know, in that type of society. You could go on a Saturday morning, they'd always have in the cinema children's. Films, and you could go there, and for sixpence, if you know what that is, um, you could go and you could sit, and all the good cowboys wear white hats, and all the bad ones wore black hats. And you know, the the good always triumphed over the evil. And you always expected, and when television started, you had, you know, the mounty always got his man. And, and, you know, everything was that good always triumphed over evil. It was just built in to our thinking as children. We grew up with that as thinking. You would say, well, it influenced the whole society. Because everyone knew that stealing was totally wrong. Taking advantage was wrong. You know, perks of the job, wrong. In fact, there was a thing called integrity bound into society. It was culture. But it never led anyone to Jesus Christ. It came. From society because it was based on the principles of God. Didn't lead us to Christ. I was bored up in it. Didn't make me a Christian. Didn't help me. It was legalism. It's the way it was. Would to God we could return to a society where our children could play in the street. and, and, you know, go to the shops and be safe. (laughs) It won't ever come back. Um, Would to God, you know, there was um, the attitude of all adults, but you wouldn't dare defend children today because you'd get accused. You know, people that jump out to rescue people and help people are being attacked. They get in trouble. Not the attackers, but, you know, the people you, you... And if you defend your property, watch out. You know, all the values are upside down, inside out. But it never brought anyone to Christ. And law doesn't bring people to Christ. Culture doesn't bring people to Christ. The land will never be saved because Christians pray. No. The only thing that brings people to Christ is the foolishness of preaching. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Lifting up the living God and telling people about a wonderful saviour who can heal, who can deliver. That's the only thing that will save sinners. But it won't save society because God doesn't like our society He really doesn't. He loves so much that he sent his son to redeem us from our culture, to redeem us from things. Hey, culture's deadly. Multiculturalism's deadly. We need to lift up Jesus Christ, and we need to realize there's only one way to live, and it's living in him. And we need to tell people there's only one value. It's the value of Christ. But we don't want to bring people under law. We want to set them free. We want to tell them it is freedom in Christ. You don't have to be in legalism. Do you know what's terrible about the modern day is now Europe's imposing on us laws that are totally and utterly obnoxious. They're They're against God. And we've got to turn around and say, hey, we don't want anything that's against God. And they say, but you're a multicultural society. Yeah, but I'm a Christian. I have a right. It's amazing that tolerance is the new God of society. You've got to tolerate everything. Well, I don't want to tolerate everything. I only want to tolerate what's true. Why should I tolerate lies? It's interesting, Isaac Watts wrote when he was writing on reason and the mind. He said, you know, one of the biggest problems with Christians today, and he was talking of his day, is that their upbringing and their teaching in the schools um, governs what they think of right and wrong. What they don't do is find out from God what is true. Because, you see, I can't look at the scripture and and bend it to fit my culture. I can't look at the word of God and bend it to fit my culture. You see, what God says is right and what God says is wrong. It is strictly his word. And and I can't live a Christian life by believing I must do this and not do that. No, it's... It's a relationship with a living God. And and I realize that God is my source. Of myself, I can do nothing. That's why the Bible says, um, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, you won't keep yourself. You can't. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Without him inside, you can't. Without being born again, you can't live a Christian life. Without being filled with the Spirit, you're not a Christian. Without being born from above, you have no hope. God is the source of all. Our God. And we need to come and realize that we've got to abandon the things That we grew up with. And the church has taught people lies consistently. And we've got to rebuke those lies and stand up for truth. Religion is a curse. And if you impose law on people, you impose a curse on them. It's not what God does, it's what man does. That's what the scripture teaches. And so we've come to the place where we've got to look at what we're doing. And I'm I'm in the scripture. I haven't read it yet. I only got two verses. Do you know that's one of the troubles? Uh, Or maybe not a trouble. Put on therefore as the elect of God Holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, look, singing making melody. You know, we're here to teach each other by our songs. But if our songs teach a lie, we're in trouble. When we sing, we've got a duty to teach. Our songs have got to be biblical. Our songs have got to be full of truth. Because people learn out of their songs. As they sing, they begin to set their heart and mind on it, and it sticks in their mind. The Methodists, when they wrote their hymns, they were so concerned, uh, and you'll find Whitfield was more concerned with the truth that was in the verse. Isaac Watts, with the truth that was in the verse. Because he realized the way to teach people was with music. Admonishing people. And yet the songs of today are little ditties. Uh, I, I just can't sing what I don't believe because, uh, you know, I don't want it to get inside me. I don't want it in my mind. I'm particular. You know, someone said to me, well, most of the songs you can't sing then. Well, Good. You know, remember what Shakespeare said? If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it. That's a fighting the appetite may sicken and so die. Enough! No more. It is not so sweet now as it was before. Now, why didn't I learn Scripture instead of Shakespeare? Because I, I, I wasn't a Christian. You know, sometimes I think we've made worship in, into something that it shouldn't be. Paul said, okay, if you're going to sing, you've got to admonish people, you've got to teach. I don't like mindless things. Hey, why? Because it deflects people's attention from the sovereign God, the wonderful God who's so mighty, almighty. Hey, you know. One thing I liked about being in the Catholic Church, it brought back something to me. They sung with reverence. You know what I miss most? Is respect for God. What I miss most is people forget who he is. You know their songs, Meet My Pal Jesus, Meet Him on today. Uh, and and they're, they're too pally pally. God is in heaven, you're upon earth. How can we treat Almighty God in the wrong way? You know, children have lost respect for their elders, for their parents. Why do you think that is? Because man's lost respect for God. No longer do they respect authority. And what greater authority has God? And so when they come into church, there's no respect. It's, let's sing and be happy. And they forget. We've come to meet with a living God. And the living God is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And we should stand in awe. Yes, he's my father. Yes, I'm born from a... Yes, I'm a son of God. But yes, he's a mighty savior, a redeemer. And I never forget, he's God. And I think man has lost with familiarity, has lost respect. And our culture has taught us, and God deliver us. Foul preachers have said that you are gods. No! God is God. We're not gods. And don't you ever think you are? The only thing we have is Christ within. We're nothing. Without his life, his love, his power, his ability, we have nothing. My God is almighty, omnipotent. All seeing, all knowing. And and, hey, respect has to come back. But society's lost the ability to respect authority. Now it is, anything goes. And we need to bring it back in the church of Jesus Christ. We need to have respect. You know, (laughs) I believe in a mighty God. I don't want to play games. I don't want to live my life pretending things. I don't want to pretend there's some God... Who's so pallywally that you forget who he is. From all eternity, he planned everything. You know, it really is true. He planted that tree that preserved my life. It's really true. He is who he is a mighty God. And I don't want religion. I don't. But I do want to love him. Because of who he is. He first loved me. What art man, the Bible says, that thou art mindful of him. Or the son of man. You should care for him. Isn't it wonderful that this Creator, who created all things with one word, spoke the worlds from nought, created all things for his good pleasure, should care for each one? He says, You know. You're more valuable than the sparrows, and my Father, which is in heaven, my Father, which is in heaven, knows when one sparrow falls to the ground. And he says, How much more valuable are you than a sparrow? He knows. Everything. And yet he cares for us, and we've lost sight of who he is. The charismatic move is a curse on the earth when it loses sight of who God is. When it becomes a game of getting people to fall down, democratization of the gifts of the Spirit what blasphemy! when it takes away the majesty of the true and living God. The declaration of his power, his glory, the reality of who he is. We never need to forget it. We need to remember it. (laughs) You know, in the end, If you can't respect God, whom can you respect? And the lovely thing about the new covenant, you know, I talked about tithing on Friday. Do you know, once the Holy Spirit came, there was a totally different attitude to things. People that were rich went and sold what they had and gave. You'll find in Acts chapter 2, total different. No, No one said that all that he had was his own. They suddenly realized the church has got to come alive with care for the brethren. Now it's historical, not doctrinal. It's what happened. Holy Ghost got hold of them. And suddenly, you know, the, 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 the um, deacons that were appointed, they, they cared for the widows and orphans. Suddenly there was a caring people, totally different from the Judaic system. The Church of Jesus Christ was totally different because people got in perspective right things. They didn't live for themselves, they lived for him. Far in excess of anything a Jew would do. And so, I'm not saying, I'm saying no. You know, it's faith that works by love. I love him. I adore him. And, you know, it's not a cost. How can anything be a cost when he's given me everything? He gave me the ability to succeed. He gave me life. All that I have is His. Everything I own is His. The world and creation He gave for His good pleasure, for His children. He created all things. He said to man, You go num- name the animals. Every single one of them. Hey, you know, creation was put here for us. One wasn't put here just to be. There everything that my God put here. It's why I enjoy it so much. I enjoy the things. Why? Because it's a gift from God. I look at it. I don't worship it. No, no, no. I worship the one who created it. I love him. There's nothing when I go and I see beautiful things, I say, my God, put that there for me. It just brings a wonder to my mind. I I, I looked out the window and I saw a most beautifully colored bird sitting on my roof. And I looked out and I thought, you know, God painted it. Before the world ever was, he created it. In his mind, and then he spoke it in being. And I thought, what beauty God has put. What beauty he's put everywhere. Wherever I go in the world, hey, I see God. What a God that, can make everything so perfect, so beautiful. What a God. What a God. What a God. And, And you know, why is it people respect him so little? Why doesn't he fill their minds and their hearts with adoration? For him. (laughs) Jesus said, of myself I can do nothing. What I see my father do, that's what I do. What I hear my father say, that's what I say. I I, I can't do anything. And how much more a Christian? A total dependency on the source of all life. An acknowledgement of who he is and what is provided? An attitude of adoration to Him for all the wonders of His grace. A realization of our dependency on Him. Not, oh, you know, I did this, I did that. No, 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 you can't. You can succeed in the earth things, but you can't succeed in the heavenly. You know, you want your treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, thieves don't break through and steal. You want your whole life hidden with him. All your imagination filled with awe. What a God. What a majesty. How can I not bow my knee to him and give thanks to him for all he is, for all he does? Why my very life is upheld by the power of his word. Every moment of every day, I'm dependent on him. He rules everything. He orders all things after the counsel of his own will. He is everything to me. He's my salvation. He's my redemption. Out of him is life. And life was the light of men. What a God. You know, if man could turn his heart and just see, just glimpse for a moment and give up the foolishness of self-dependence, And realize we have a God who is good. A God we owe everything to. A majesty from on high. A king of kings. A lord of lords. Instead of just coming with flippancy... Come with wonder. Instead of coming in a mindless way, realize it cost him everything, his only begotten Son, to give us that life. It's so precious, so beautiful, so wonderful. My, every time he intervenes in a life, he heals the sick, he delivers the captive. Let's not ever lose sight of what it cost him. The price he paid for you and I to share in that life. What a saviour. What a wonderful God. What a majesty. How could he do it? I don't know. I know he did. Because he loved me. Faith that works by love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if we don't respond to that son the one who speaks from heaven, if we won't obey his voice, we're in trouble. He lives to speak. He's a good God. And let us turn our hearts and minds to him. You know... Worship would come when you concentrate your mind and your heart on who He is. What a God! What a God! What a mighty King of Kings. Lord, I just pray for each one here. Lord, you're so wonderful so mighty Lord we've come to acknowledge you this morning to lift you up we've come with hearts grateful for all you've done grateful for your salvation Grateful for your son that came to redeem us. To dig us out of a horrible pit. Set our feet upon a rock. We've come to magnify you. To glorify your name. To exalt you amongst the heathen. To raise up your name in a dark place. Lord, we've come. Because you are who you are, what you are, your grace, your power, your glory. We don't deserve anything, but you loved us. Lord, we just magnify you. You're worthy. Lord Jesus, I just pray you'll move every heart this morning to turn to you and acknowledge your might, your majesty, your power.